Hallelujah, welcome to Repent North America. I am your host, Senior Pastor Abigail, and with me I have my co-host, Senior Pastor Tracy O'Croft. We are currently in the ministry of repentance and holiness under the Blessed Senior Archbishop Lupo, also the General Overseer of North America, um, directed and instructed by the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord, Elijah and Moses, the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11. In this segment, we will be looking at the qualities of a salty church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before we can begin tonight's service, a little introduction just to touch base with you. But if you go back, if you turn with me back to, with me back to Luke 14, it's a tremendous treasure that is laid down there. Again, Luke chapter 14, turn with me there. And we saw verse 34. He also includes verse 34 in defining the church that enters the kingdom of glory. It says salt is good but if it loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again? It is neither fit for the soil nor for, nor for the manure pile it is thrown out. And then when you got the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, this is what you get there. Matthew 5, 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? The other versions say, how can it be seasoned again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So tonight, this is what I want to focus on. I want to try to focus on verse 14, uh, rather on verse 34 of Luke 14, verse 34, where Jesus is defining the church that enters the kingdom of heaven. And in this verse he says, salt is good, but if he loses his saltiness, how can it be made salty anymore? What did Jesus imply here? What is his intention there? He's talking about salvation of Christ Jesus. The salvation of the grace. The Lord had seen that all these things that he underlined here, just traveling with him in a crowd, without understanding the true meaning of following Jesus, being born again, loving your family so much more than him, 
Loving your life on this earth more than him. The refusal to carry your own cross. The refusal to sit down and estimate the undertaking to be born again. The level of commitment you need to engage. And he says, the loving of good of all your things on this earth in the same way those of you who do not give up everything they have on this earth cannot be my disciples. So he underlined all those impediments, all those factors that are likely to stop your pilgrimage towards the kingdom of God. And he says all they will do is Verse 34. All they will do in a summary is to bring you to verse 34 where you lose your saltiness. And so Jesus was essentially saying that if you don't adhere to this instruction defining his church from verse 25 down, this instruction that he is using to define his church the true followers of Jesus if you don't adhere to these instructions then there is a apostasy ahead whereby you now lose your saltiness that means you were a Christian but now you lose your Christianity because of the goods of this earth the things of this world because of family because of refusal to pick up your cross because of merely enjoying the church as, as a member sense of belonging and so this was a apostasy he was warning about but even most importantly is the undercurrent the underlying statement that he uses now to summarize to conclude this warning when finally says he warns that if all of the above cause you to lose your saltiness the failure to adhere to my instruction to obey the failure to submit to my commands if it will cause you to lose the efficacy of your salvation then he talks about a judgment to be thrown out and trampled is good for nothing but to be thrown out into the lake of fire he defines the judgment of God right there. And he's describing here, he's talking here to the church, to people that have received Jesus. He's not talking to the unborn again world. He's talking about people that are coming along with him, traveling with him. And his warning 
that if you fool around yeah, with the world, if you play around with your hard won Christian salvation, the salvation of the cross and the blood of Jesus, he said, then judgment is coming. So he actually said that the church, in this way he said in verse 34, that the church that is his true church the Christians that are his true Christians, followers they have zero tolerance to apostasy that is what he's raising here but he raised a warning that if you don't adhere to his instruction there is a fall coming can we start to open up this step by step blessed people without, without much time because we don't have that much time can we run right away the book of Matthew then what, 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 what is it that you will lose? What is it that will cause you to lose your saltiness? In other words, can you define to me? I know all of you in your homes, you're now saying, please, can you define to me a Christianity of saltiness, a salty Christian believer? How does it look like? I know, Kabisa, I know it too well that you're saying, then can you define to us what it means to be a Christian, a salty Christian that is fully seasoned and has not lost their salt? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so you can imagine, for example, if you are to go for an interview to get the passport, an American passport, a Canadian passport, an Argentina passport, a European passport, you, you have gone into the interview room and they're interviewing you. What are the things they would, what is their scorecard that they would be taking to see if you can really fit into their country? Europa. Wherever. You want a, a South Korean citizenship. Japanese citizenship. Australian. New Zealand. And you are now in the interview room. And they want to check if you have what it takes to go into their country to be a citizen. You want to become a Kenyan citizen because you've seen such a big revival in Kenya. And you are now at the interview room, maybe somewhere in Geneva or the Kenyan embassy or somewhere, and they are interviewing you to look at your credentials if you really fit to come to Kenya. What are the things that will be taking? That is what I'm talking about here. What are the things that they'll be taking at that interview room tonight for you to qualify to go to the kingdom of God facilitated by the Holy Spirit? If you say you have the Holy Spirit, can you show us the following traits? 
wote ni mambo yapi ambayo watakuwa wanayakubali katika chumba hicho cha makubaliano ili kwamba kusakuwezesha ya kwamba upate kuingia katika ufalme huo wa mbinguni haleluya Hallelujah. In other words, what are the hallmarks that constitute a salty Christian? The one that has not yet lost their, their seasoning, their saltiness. In other words, when you don't listen to the instruction laid in Luke 14, Twenty-five to thirty-five. Where he says, "Whoever follows, whoever comes to him, whoever wants to follow him, must come to him first. You must encounter Jesus first. You cannot just be traveling with him, coming along. He says you must encounter him and have a real relationship with him." And he says, if you don't do that, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he's also talking very clearly here about the loving of family more than him. And then he talks about the loving of your life on the earth more than loving him. And then he talks about carrying your cross. So if you don't love him more than your life, more than your family, you cannot enter, he says. If you don't carry your cross, you cannot enter. He says, if you don't estimate the undertaking to be born again, the commitment you need to put in, that if you don't abandon your goods on the earth here, the things of the world. So if you don't do all that instruction, don't lose your saltiness. What have you lost? Or if you do all that and obey, what are the true traits, the true identity of the salty church you will behold? A salty church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So can we look at the church that is salty? In other words, the great thing that this world, great things, this world will cause you to lose if you fall into apostasy. Now the book of Matthew chapter 5, I'm reading verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He's now defining the church that is salty. He's now defining the salty church. She's a church that is poor in spirit. He said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so if you don't carry your cross, if you love your family more than Jesus, and if you don't lose the goods of this world and turn to Jesus alone, then he says, this is what you lose. You will not be poor in spirit. My Mali za dunia. 
mwingine hapa duniani basi anasemea kwamba hivi ndivyo vitu ambavyo utapoteza so the seasoned salty church is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of god hivyo basi kanisa lilokolezwa kabisa katika uchumvi asemea kwamba heri walio maskini wa roho maana hao ufalme wa mbinguni ni wao so they are poor in spirit hivyo basi wao ni maskini wa roho blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted heri wale wanaohuzunika kwa maana wao watafarijiwa that is the second trait hivyo basi hiyo ndio sifa ya pili of the church that is salty they mourn when they look at the evil and the wickedness that has consumed and devastated this world. And then it says blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's talking about the salty church. Blessed are the pure in heart, they are walking in purity. He says they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers he says. Because they will be called children of God. And then he talks about the persecution that they go through. That is the definition of the saltiness they behold. They are persecuted for righteousness. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are insulted by people. And persecuted falsely. And, and they, they, are, they falsely accuse them. So if you are not being falsely accused, then something is wrong with your salvation. If no one is accusing you falsely, falsely, then you should check your salvation. And so this is very powerful. He says these are the attributes of the church going to heaven. And these are the things that when you pick up your cross and you love Jesus more than your family, you will sustain these traits, this identity. If you love Jesus more than the things of this world, you'll sustain these novel traits, the identity of the church that goes to heaven. So they will take each of them, you have it, you have it. The Holy Spirit has helped him, has helped him, has helped her. The ticking, ticking. Hivyo basi ikiwa utapenda Yesu zaidi kuliko mali za ulimwengu huu basi nakuchukia familia yako kuliko nakupea kupenda familia Yesu Kristo kuliko okay, familia yako Okay it's very easy can we give you time to translate it well it's very easy I can even translate it Hivyo basi iwapo utaechukia vitu vya ulimwengu huu zaidi na kumpenda Yesu zaidi na pia kuwezesha kuona vitu hivi vyote ambavyo vimeondoleshwa hapa basi anasemea kwamba watasahihisha na kusemea kwamba hapa amepaulu hapa amepaulu Yesu Roho Mtakatifu amemwezesha amepaulu amepaulu And so na kwa hivyo he's talking about the church that is seasoned is salty that has the efficacy of salvation and let us look at the church that loses our saltiness then. 
If you turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 6, we can start from there or we can start even 2 Peter chapter 2, but Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. We've been here before, but now in this context, he's saying it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God, and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, it is impossible to be brought back to repentance. Because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again. And subjecting him to public disgrace, public shame. But let us look at these very powerful attributes that are defined here. That you get to lose by failure to carry your cross or obey the instruction in Luke 14. The losing of saltiness. He says, have been enlightened. I've tasted the heavenly gift. I've shared in the Holy Spirit. I've tasted the goodness of the word of God. And the powers of the coming age. Those are such admirable attributes for a church, for a Christian. This is a very high standard, a high bar for the present day church. Even as you read them, every Christian is longing to have them. Longing to have these wonderful attributes. Highly enlightened. Tasted the heavenly gift. Shared in the Holy Spirit. Tasted the goodness of the word of God. Tasted the powers of the coming age. Those are such a lofty aspiration for the present day church. But he's talking about this church as one he's going to trash out. He's saying it is impossible to bring them back to repentance when they lose it. And so you must be worried somewhere. You might be worried. You might be worried saying, wow, that one already has those attributes and then they are to lose. I have not even attained them in my Christian walk. So this is a high bar. And so he's using this to define the loss of saltiness. That when you lose saltiness, this is what happens to you. And you see, so this is such a terrible state. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, this is what you lose when you lose your seasoning. 
In other words, this will be your condition. When you are apostate, when you fall into apostasy, when you start loving family more than Jesus, when you start loving your own life more than Jesus, when you refuse to carry your cross, so how come they have fallen when they have such wonderful attributes? Could it be that because the cross is not mentioned there? Could it be that they have experienced the beauty of these wonderful visitations without they themselves committing to the cross of Jesus? Without again committing to the again again let me repeat without committing to the cross of Jesus because he's saying that when you become salty when you receive Jesus when you embrace the salvation of the grace then you take the you receive the advantages you take the advantages of the cross We have a co-host. I would like for you to introduce yourself, please, to the audience. If you would kindly please uh, introduce yourself. Amen. I'm uh, Pastor Tracer Cra from uh, Maryland Altar in the Ministry of Repentance and Holiness in the United States of America. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Tracer Cra, for joining us today. You're most welcome. Today we're going to be looking at the qualities of a salty church. And the reason why we're bringing this up is because today the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord God, they shared a teaching on the global live stream on YouTube and the channel is repent and prepare the way and it plays and there's a service every Sunday Wednesday and Friday typically from 1 p.m. onwards Eastern Standard Time please tune in they are life-changing messages if you do not tune in listen to the voice of the mightiest mightiest prophets of the Lord then there's no way we can enter heaven um, bless the senior pastor trainers are going over just the a brief section really just a small section of today's teaching the mightiest prophets of the lord gave us the reference scripture that we've been on as you you've shared before in this uh, series the chapter luke 14 verse 25 on to 35 and the entire segment entire chunk of scripture the passage has been I'm, I'm really shocked first of all in this the section of the scriptures it's been about two months now maybe three months and it doesn't even seem like it's been that much longer it seems like it could have been a week but we've been on Luke 14 and one thing that was really um, a revelation to me was the mighty possible were talking about and sharing how there are for Christians in the scriptures there's a saltiness and they were sharing what it means to be salty, but also what causes the loss of saltiness. So I want to ask you, as a student pastor, what was your first takeaway when you heard this message? Um, what stood out for you the most as the mightiest prophets of the Lord were teaching at the altar of the Lord? Amen. Um, yeah, 
Jesus said was very um, life-changing is definitely the word, the phrase. It was definitely um, eye-opening. I don't know how we can listen to any other voice, any other ministry, any other ministry as intended. kingdom of God. Concerning uh, the biggest takeaway in, in the service that you say for me, um, concerning saltiness in the church, that the heart of the gospel really is the cross. That when we take away the cross, we miss out on so many benefits. That the, the Lord shared, and if I may, um, he shared that there are certain requirements yes. for us to maintain saltiness. Mm -hmm. And it was at the very end of the service that really had caught my attention. Mm -hmm. He said that the mightiest, mightiest prophet word shared that when you launch your life on the three um, points that Christ died for our sins and he was buried and he was raised on the third day, it should be your spiritual compass for salvation and when you launch your life on that, the cross and the blood, you'll never fall, and the Lord will perpetually help you out of the apostasy. And it's like, wow, you know, all the times of apostasy and sin, you can reflect back into a spiritual audience, like, wow, I must have thrown out the cross in my life. And it's like, the cross is that powerful, and it's that potent, that it keeps you afloat above the storms. That, you know, Christian salvation is a process, we know, but there's one thing that you can actually hang your hat on and you can grab is actually the cross. And it's, it's really, it's, it's amazing because um, people like uh, um, all these other false idol gods, their bones are still in the grave rotting. That Jesus, they don't know where his tomb is because he's in the right hand side of the Father. So when we throw that out, we throw out that power, we throw out that that gospel, we throw out the blood, essentially there's no, there's no, there's no salvation. There's no salvation we throw out the cross. So it's really, that was the biggest takeaway is that the cross, if you're founded on the cross, you'll never go wrong ever. Amen. And I agree because it was the first time that I understood um, that truly that the cross was the center of the gospel. And I really understood, oh, it's actually the center. It's supposed to be the center of our salvation as well. And every day it's what we're supposed to pick up and carry. Um, so it's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Something that the mightiest prophet of the world were sharing is that when you are a salty church, they read to us Matthew, it was chapter 5, verse 3 on, and they were sharing the qualities of a salty church being poor in spirit, um, and that they are also mournful when they look at the world and the evil that has consumed this world. They are meek, they hunger and thirst for righteousness, they are poor in heart, they will see God, they are the peacemakers those that are persecuted, abused, and blackmailed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They said something that was uh, the nail on the head, really, was they were saying that, my spouse were sharing that if you are not being persecuted, if no one's accusing you falsely, then you should really check your salvation. So if you would mind sharing with us, Blessed Senior Pastor Trace, or in this, in Matthew chapter 5, these are the blessed, and blessed are the poor in spirit. If you're poor in this world, the world is like people don't like it. And if you're mournful, people think what's wrong with you. Um, can you please just expound some more kindly upon 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 onwards with the book of my pastor Lord have shared and your takeaways as well. Amen, Senior Pastor Abigail. What you're saying is very true. The in Matthew 5, what the mightiest and mightiest prophet Lord, and it's not the first time they shared as well. These are requirements. They're not they're not um just blessings like I hope God blesses me with, with meekness one day and I'll be alright. It's it's requirements for entry and it's a process. Um you know the biggest takeaway is, is these requirements is nothing the church wants. We don't want to be poor, it sounds like a curse word, you know? We, we don't want to mourn. You know, where the coronavirus is happening now, we should be mourning yes. for our sins, and yet we're saying, let us eat and drink Please. tomorrow we die sarcastically. Um, we don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, we hunger for wickedness and for our, to, to satisfy our sinful desires. Uh, merciful, don't want to show mercy, and yet it's the mercy of God that's even allowed us to be alive at this very moment. The mercy of God for him to die on the cross. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that if you, Lord, counted sins, who could stand? He said, but just because of your mercy, you should be feared because of forgiveness. That the Lord, we're not stricken with, with lightning every time we commit sin. And it's, the Lord's not striking us automatically. And yet we go on abusing grace. And, you know, seeing all these requirements in Matthew 5, and as to answer your question of persecution, yes, you really do have to ask yourself because it, in a generation where it's so dark, it doesn't take much for persecution to come your way. If anything, like the mightiest prophets of the Lord shared, they should run to your door and persecute you. So you really have to check yourself because as the Bible says, friendship with the world is friendship. Uh, it's, it's hostility to God. So if the world is not persecuting you, that means you're friends of the Lord. Thank you so much, Dean Pastor. It's true. It's very true. We, the persecution should be running. We should be running towards it. You know, it should be running towards us, really. So the, the uh, persecution should be running towards us. Because um, it even shares that it's been even the same chapter. Yes, it says that for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And also in the scriptures, it will share. The Bible will say that um, if this is how they treat the Messiah, the Master, how much more so they treat the servants and who persecuted the Messiah to the point where we killed the Messiah. Um, one of the most torturous and most horrific deaths. So it would not be surprising at all if we, if we truly are the followers of Christ, then we'll still receive the exact same um, treatment that the Messiah received. We'll still also be abused and blackmailed and mocked, spat upon see in the New Testament that there were many of the um, apostles that were killed and tortured. Isaiah was saw in half. Um, but going back to the salty church, the requirements in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, the mighty prophets were giving it as a, the Lord were saying it as though, okay, you want to enter citizenship and when you're in the interview they, they take off boxes okay so what is it what is it that you need to enter the united states of america or you need to enter europe or australia and so the master's lord giving us matthew chapter 5 verse 3 as the requirements that we need to enter 
how are we going to achieve these qualities, Senior Pastor Josue? Amen, Senior Pastor Abigail. It starts with repentance. It always starts with repentance. That these qualities, salvation, even to come to the Lord, the mightiest, mightiest prophet shared that it is the spirit of Christ that has to touch someone's heart and says, Jesus is Lord, go to him. That it's not even possible to meet these requirements when it's the Lord who has to initiate salvation in us. So as the Bible says that he is the author and finisher of our faith, it really, it's, it's not a metaphor, it's true. This, these scriptures in Matthew 5, from 3 on down to 12 or to 13, the Lord has to put initiate that process in us. It's the Lord who, who accomplishes it. That it's the Lord that would make us to realize to be poor in spirit, we have to be humble. We have to realize that it's sin that we're in and it's caused us to not enter and to have a terrible relationship with God. That we need his mercy. And that's where the mourning comes from. That we're, we're mourning because of our sins. And it makes us meek because it's like, without Jesus there's no savior I can't save myself from sins I can't save anyone from their sins it's the Lord Jesus who, who's done it so you see that process it goes all the way down to where you hunger and thirst for righteousness Isn't all the Lord requires is willingness so we have to be willing to repent and, and you know in North America it, it's not a show it's not like you repent publicly and then you go about your business it's daily lifestyle daily picking up the cross so your pastor have a good amen thank you so you could say blessed senior pastor Chester, that here in the united states of america and in all of north america we really struggle with pride amen yes we struggle with pride very very much because we depend on ourselves <laughs> even the systems you know there's, there's a the scripture in the bible about and um we're conformed to the patterns of this world mm-hmm. so the lord's in the process of breaking those things out of us as in romans 12 even at a young age in school I even remember they teach you to be prideful mm-hmm. there's oh my goodness there's products that say pride proudfully made in America mm-hmm. you know this or like a proud to be an American you know it, you American pride mm-hmm. or like there's gay pride there's, there's pride if they teach that you don't need to depend on the Lord and yet we need interdependence so we really need to examine ourselves for what we are that if for without holiness no one will see the Lord and yet we can't accomplish holiness in ourselves we really need to cry out to the Lord and, and humble before him and ask for mercy because pride is what will block you from entering the kingdom of God so you Amen thank you so much St. Pastor Sir uh, you were mentioning the dependency upon the systems of the world it reminded me of the teaching that we had just this week previously and it was about, um, in short, it came down to, from, from my takeaway, that we really can't depend upon ourselves, the systems of the world, our own efforts, our own strength. You can't depend upon man. And it was the, I don't remember the book, but it was King Hezekiah. And there was a king of Assyria and the Israelites. And they wanted to trust this king of Assyria, of this king of Syria who had essentially conquered all the neighboring kingdoms around and king of syria was like saying uh you should depend upon me if you don't then i'm going to uh, kill all of you essentially and your god is not a real god but king hezekiah depended upon the lord who made that king of syria anyway 
case so they gave him breath and that's when we found out that okay king hezekiah he received the favor of the lord because he depended upon the lord he trusted the lord he had faith in god and he obeyed god most importantly and um the two most dreadful prophets of the lord um at the time it was the prophet isaiah um, so, what I want to actually bring up, this is a little off topic, but let's just see in Pastor Chizor. Should we not here in the United States of America also, and in North America, should not our leadership and our kings, which would be our presidents, also depend upon the Lord, when the Lord can bring so much healing to our nations? I definitely agree with you. Uh, what is the problem? What is wrong with us? Are we, are we mad? Because when... No, everyone knows the two mega ancient prophets of the Lord walking the earth. No one can claim ignorance. They've seen the miracles. Everybody. God, the Holy Spirit, two billion people have seen. And we have 350 million Americans. So you can basically say that almost all Americans saw that visitation. No one can say, I didn't know. We weren't aware. It's been well expositioned, publicized, publicly, openly, globally. Well illustrated, demonstrated. So... For us as a nation, as a leader, you know, they've been reached. We ourselves have reached them. We've supported them. The mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord have, have reached them as well. What it comes down to is how long will this go on for? How long will they let it go on for as, as leaders? That you look at the, they don't, what is needed is that it's the apostate church. You see the same thing that happened with Hezekiah. You had Shebna and the, the other people. You had one with a bad report and one with a good report. You have, and the thing is, our leadership needs to stop surrounding themselves with false prophets, mm. with false apostles, telling them, "Oh, don't go to the tomb of the prophets." Oh, they don't. You know, that's it's the blackmail that's leading this nation astray. And it's, I'm glad you pointed that scripture out because it's exactly what's going on. That we're depending on on counsel from other people, and, and the church is supposed to be the rod of the nations, but not the fallen church so it, it really comes down to like you said de depending on the lord and going back to the mega ancient prophets because for coronavirus to end they're the ones that brought it they're the ones that can take it away senior pastor amen senior pastor so it's, it's very true we really just need to pick up our cross and do what we don't want to do and crucify the flesh who is trying so hard to get us to hell which is the devil um really just crucify the flesh Submit to the Lord and go to the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord who love us so much. And I even with judgment and rebukes, it's still love. It's still the opportunity of repentance. We're not, we're not destined to hell yet. Like the Lord's given us the opportunity to still repent. It's still open. This nation is still here. But if we don't repent, that's where things will get really ugly. Things get really bad. There's already prophecies that are out there famine, plenty of boils, no water, just again the famine, uh, hyperinflation, which it seems like we're already seeing some of it, which is really scary, plagues again worse than coronavirus, many coronaviruses, uh, economic collapse, like really, who wants to stay here after that, like why on earth wouldn't you submit to the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord, they've really helped us this entire time, but um, I just want to see if you had any last comments on the senior pastor as well. I know we went a little off topic, um, but I wanted to end it here. If you have any last comments, questions, anything you would want to share. Messiah is coming. 
and the only way to prepare is in holiness. If we want to enter the glorious kingdom of God, it starts with ourselves first. And once we come to ourselves and realize that we need Jesus, that's when our healing will begin. And once it goes from there, then we'll be able to carry the gospel and live it and shine the light of Christ as needed for this hour because it's very dark. Just in Colorado, we've heard that the, the lake weed is drying up. We couldn't even find any green um, leaves to celebrate the healing, the powerful healing hepatitis B in Colorado. Everything is apocalyptic, going on mass. Everyone's outside. It was very terrible. And for us to continue in, in the madness and apostasy, it's heartbreaking very much because it's lunacy of the heart. It's really lunacy that our friend Jesus is reaching out to us and we're not taking his hand and we're considering him as our enemy. And this path that we're going down, you know, it's, it's really not a good one. And to end, as you said, the, close, the closing remarks, might is might is possible to share this, that in Ecclesiastes 9, the lunacy of the heart overtakes man because of wi- the wickedness in their hearts. That essentially, we can, America, North America, they're like a lunatic that's crossing the street in the middle of high-speed traffic. And the Lord's the one in the car. Imagine, very big car, because he's the Lord. And we're the ones in the middle of the street, you know, not you know, walking around in the middle of the street, not crossing the street. That's the lunacy they describe. And the Lord is literally, he has the right of way to run us over, but he doesn't want to. He has the right of way to finish us, but he doesn't want to. We really need to repent because we don't know what we're doing. If we continue down this path, it won't go well for us. But you know, the good news is that it will be well for us on that day. But we just have to go to the tomb, however painful or humiliating it may be. We, President Joe Biden and the administration of this scheme goes to the tomb. Amen. Thank you so much, Mr. Senior Pastor. Um, and I think with that, I think we will just... Uh,